in the series. The series was on, let's see, 1963 to 1967. Um, and he spent those four years looking for the one-armed man, the one-armed man who killed uh, his wife. And uh, the final episode, um, you know, he, they, they, they do find him and catch him. It was interesting because in Chicago there was a blackout in the, fi- in the middle of the final episode. And so, you know, we're watching it and then, you know, um, and they actually did repeat it. It took a while for them to, but at any rate, um, the, um, the show end, the show ended and I, I believe it did every week, but ended with an epilogue. Uh, you know, that's, the, the, you know, the whole, the whole it, it's words that bring things to a close. The epilogue, you, you have them in movies now and shows, they just don't tell you epilogue, you know, they just don't tell you that's what it is. Uh, the epilogue, it, it, a literary term, it, it, it just, it, it takes it, you know, from this is the close of this, but here's what happened then, you know, here's how things continued on, here's how things happened, um, you know, because of what they went through. Uh, Jenny and I watched The Hill. Was that the name of? It? Oh, she's downstairs. Is that the name of that movie, The Hill? The kid, the baseball guy. What do you mean you don't know? What? No, 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 not Moneyball. Who said Moneyball? Don't tell me. The Hill. Is that the name of it? Yeah, yeah, The Hill. Um, you should watch it. It's a good movie. Uh, well, at the end of the movie, it's, it's about this kid who was uh, he he was crippled and crippled. Sounds bad, doesn't it? He had braces on his legs and stuff. His dad was a preacher. He wanted to be a baseball player, not the dad, the kid, and and he couldn't uh, because of that. Well, uh, his struggle to want to do that is, is kind of what it was. But uh, not only did he put Christians in a good light, it's just a good movie, and it's based on a true story uh, about this guy's life. At the end of it, they told us then what happened from where that point of the movie went ended to the the guy's life then as to what happened you know what what happens based on the changes because of what they went through the changes that that come you know and, and a lot of them do that well I, so why am i telling all this because this past week i've been repeatedly thinking about this last verse of psalm uh, 73 that we looked at last week i see it as the epilogue to the psalm you know, to to the changes that should come because of what we go through. Now, l- let me explain that to you. You know, here's the challenge for us. You know, if these first two phrases draw conclusions for us who know Jesus, and I believe they do, you know, because he says, you know, that, that God's presence is my good. You know, and he's drawing some conclusions as you read through that psalm. And he's drawing these conclusions, you know, that for me, God's presence is my good. That's speaking of someone who is trusting in God, someone who understands who God is, someone who understands that, you know, God is indeed for their good. And then it says, you know, and I have made the Lord my refuge. Speaking there of of a relationship with the Lord, you know, that he is the refuge. He is the one we go to. He is the one we turn to. And if those two things are true, that God's presence is my good and, and I have made the Lord my refuge. If those two things are true about us, then the final phrase should also be true about us. So I can tell about all that you do. You know, Lord, you have changed my life. You have changed my life so I can tell others about all that you do. 
You know, because of what you have done in my life, now I can tell others about what you have done. Let's pray. We're going to get into a passage that kind of pulls this together for me. Father, thank you again for your word and your truth. Uh, We've spent many weeks looking at, at Psalm 73, and now as we think about what we've read, what we've studied, what are you launching us into? Um, in some ways, what are you reminding us of, clarifying for us? Teach us from your word. I thank you for it. I thank you for the way that you have given it to us. Again, it helps us not just to bumble through life, but to live life as you've called us to and as you intend us to. So teach us, we pray, with thanks. In Christ's name. Amen. We're actually going to be in Acts chapter 26. If you want to turn there, it's page 1031 in the Pew Bible or pull it up on your phone, whatever you, whatever you do. I just kind of felt God leading me in this direction on uh, Tuesday as, as uh, I was thinking and studying. Um, um, Pastor Kent and Sarah and Ginny and I read part of Acts 26 in our devotional on Tuesday. I think it was Tuesday anyway. Um, you know, but God just kind of pulled me in that direction. Now, if you get something out of this sermon, great, thank God. If, if you know, I'm saying you thank God. And if, if you don't, and if it's lousy, then blame me and just thank God that it's over and we'll be done. So uh, we're going to cover the whole chapter. So there's a big surprise. I'm going to share five observations with you. We're going to be done by 1130. Uh, as the, it'll, it'll happen. Um, It'll happen, and and we're going to share communion together. So, you know, there's a lot I'm not going to um, say today. You know, so when you think about telling others all God has done for you, you know, start here. You you just tell them about the change in your life. When When you're telling, when you're saying all that God has done for me, simply tell them about the change in your life. This is what Paul does here in Acts chapter 26. You know, Acts 26 here, he's, that, this is what he's doing. Now, Paul, prior to 26, Paul was arrested. He was arrested because uh, the Jewish leaders didn't like what he, what he was doing. And sound familiar there? Uh, they didn't like what he was doing. And so, uh, you know, they had him arrested. And um, the governor, uh, Festus, uh, came to Jerusalem and as he was, because Jerusalem was an important city, and they, they needed to appease the uh, clientele, that sounds bad, the Jewish folks who lived there. Um, and so the Jewish leaders made an appeal to Festus to have Paul tried in Jerusalem. Because as he would be, would be transported to Jerusalem then, uh, you know, the, the, their whole plan then was to lynch him and, and kill him and be done with him. Now Paul was aware of this. And so he appealed to Caesar. And as he appeals to Caesar, that means he's going to be sent to Rome. Well, then King Agrippa comes along, and King Agrippa has a position which is different and slightly higher, perhaps, than, than Governor Festus there. So when King Agrippa comes through, uh, Festus wants Agrippa, the king, to hear Paul. And so with a lot of pomp and circumstance, he sets this up and Festus gets this meeting in motion. And that's the end of chapter 25. That's where we pick up here in chapter 26. Let's read these first 11 verses together. Now, I told you I'm going to cover the whole chapter. So we're going to read 11 and, and you know, keep uh, the Bible handy there. It says, Agrippa said to Paul, 
it is permitted for you to speak for yourself. Then Paul stretched out his hand. I always liked that. You know, he stretched out his hand and just kind of like, I'm not quite sure why they put that detail in there, but it's a good detail to let you know that they were actually knew what was going on. He stretched out his hand and it kind of... I don't feel bad about that. Uh, He stretched out his hand and began his defense. Verse 2, I consider myself fortunate, King Agrippa, that today I am going to make a defense before you about everything I am accused of by the Jews, especially since you are an expert in all the Jewish customs and controversies. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. All the Jews know my way of life from my youth, which was spent from the beginning among my own nation and in Jerusalem. They had previously known me for quite some time if they were willing to testify that according to the strictest party of our religion, I lived as a Pharisee. And now I stand on trial for the hope of the promise made by God to our fathers, the promise our 12 tribes hope to attain as they earnestly serve him night and day. King Agrippa, I am being accused by the Jews because of this hope. Why is it considered incredible by any of you that God raises the dead? In fact, I myself supposed it was necessary to do many things in opposition to the name of Jesus the Nazarene. I actually did this in Jerusalem. I locked up as many of the saints in prison uh, since I had received authority for that from the chief priests. When they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. In In all the synagogues, I often tried to make them blaspheme By punishing them, I even pursued them to foreign cities since I was greatly enraged by them. Now, when you when you think about telling people about all God has done, tell them about your life before knowing Jesus. This is what Paul is doing here. He's telling them about his life before he came to know Jesus. Now, the 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 Jewish leaders you know, would have been there listening to this, you know, and they, they would have been hearing this because they were there to give their side of the argument. They wanted to tell, you know, they wanted Paul uh, condemned and they wanted to give their side of the argument. Now notice what Paul is saying. He starts out saying to them, and he starts out saying to, to the, the, as he's addressing Festus and Agrippa, he starts out by saying, I was just like them. This is what he's saying. I was just like them. You see, he's he's pulling in, and, and and by him telling, you know, that before he about before he knew Jesus, he is not only identifying with those with, with those who are there. He's letting them know that where where he started, not where he was now. Well, they knew that he wasn't where he was now, but he said, it's interesting to me. You know, some people think that a pastor's always been a pastor. Well, we know he hasn't been, but you know, we think that if you've been here at all, you know I haven't always been a Christian, nor have I always been doing the right thing. I mean, you guys should be well aware of that. Uh, But too often we forget that, and we forget where we've come from. We forget what life was like without Christ. You know those people that irritate you? Those people that don't know the Lord and make sinful decisions, do you know that before you became a Christian, you were just like them? Paul is telling them what his life was like before he came to know Jesus. In fact, what he tells them, notice what he's telling them, he's saying that he was even more extreme than they were. 
Not only did he believe like they did, but he was doing something about it to an extreme that they would never even find themselves doing. He says that, you know, that I, I was there, I, I chased them down, I opposed them, and I was there when they were killed. I was there when they were put to death, he says. He says, and then I even chased them down to other cities to haul them back. Why? Well, to be put to death, as he brings up here. He was just like he was like the Jewish leaders, only on steroids. You see, what he was doing was following the was was following the Jewish religion. We need to be very clear, you know, that practicing a religion is different than following God. He was a religious person. I was raised practicing a religion. Now, what you have to, you, know, you parents, what you have to be very careful of is that what you are doing for your children now, they're downstairs in children's church. What you want to do is, you know, you, I don't know if you ever talked to them after children's church about what they learned, about what went on down there. Do it. Because you don't want them simply practicing a religion. Too many people think that you know practicing a religion is the same thing as following God. Now, practicing a religion might help you follow God, but it is not a replacement for following God. You know, doing doing what we might call religious things, you know, it can help you follow God, but it's not a replacement. Tell people, tell people what your life was like before coming to know Jesus, but don't stop there. A few more verses. Pick up verse twelve. I was traveling to Damascus under these circumstances uh, with authority and a commission from the chief priest. King Agrippa, while on the road at midday, I saw a light from heaven brighter than the sun shining around me and those traveling with me. We all fell to the ground and I heard a voice speaking to me in the Hebrew language. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Then I said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. But get up and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and a witness of what you have seen and of what I will reveal to you. Now, so after you tell them, you know, after you tell them what your life was like, you know, before you had a relationship with Jesus, then tell them how you came to know Jesus as your Savior. Tell them how it is you came to realize who he is. Now, most of us, you know, don't really have what we think of as a dramatic story. You know, they have this big dramatic story. You know, I wasn't a heathen uh, selling drugs on an airplane. You know, I, 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 you know the, the purpose is not to impress them with your story. The purpose is to impress them with Jesus so that they can come to know who Jesus is. See, I thought I was, I thought I was fine. You know, and I had a religion, and I felt the good outweighed the bad, mostly, perhaps, sometimes maybe. Uh, you know, but, but, but personally, you know, for me, it wasn't this big thing. You know, it was... Uh, you know, uh, I told you before, in the back of the church, and I had, you know, I grew up with a religion. I grew up knowing about God, and it just came to the place where I realized this all makes sense. And I realized I did not have a relationship with Jesus, and I needed one. 
And so right there when we were sitting there in the church, this hole opened up in the roof of the church. And as it did, this big shaft of light came down. And I angels, that's not at all what happened. I was sitting right next to Ginny. I made my commitment to Christ. I said, Lord, you know, I, 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 want, I need you to be my Savior. Thank you. And you know what? Ginny didn't even realize it when it happened. She didn't even realize it at the time. Some of us don't have big dramatic stories. The point isn't the big dramatic story. The point is that they come to know Jesus. The, particular, the particulars of, you know, of the event are not as important as the realization that you needed Jesus as your Savior. That's the point. Jesus is the focus, not you. You want them to come to know Jesus. If you know Jesus as your Savior, then tell people how that happened. Tell them how you came to Jesus as your Savior. But again, don't stop there. A few more verses. Pick up Acts 26, verse 17. I will rescue you from the people and from the Gentiles. I now send you to them to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that by faith in me they may receive forgiveness of sins and a share among those who are sanctified. Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. Instead, I preached to those in Damascus first and to those in Jerusalem and in all the region of Judea and to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God and to do works worthy of repentance. So as you're telling people, you know, as you're telling people, you know, about your life before Jesus, how you came to know Jesus as your Savior, tell them how to know Jesus as their Savior. Tell them how they can come to know Jesus as their Savior. Paul tells them here that by faith they may receive forgiveness of their sins. He's telling them by faith they may receive forgiveness of their sins. He's not telling them that you too need to be walking on this road to Damascus. He's not telling them that you too need to have this encounter where you know the light shines down. He's not telling them at all that it needs to be like him. He, you know, he's, he says it wasn't by the good things that he had done. It wasn't because of his religion. It was because Jesus came and he encountered Jesus and died on that cross for his sin. And he came to realize that and it was by faith. It wasn't a Jewish thing. It wasn't by coming to the temple or the synagogue. It is a relationship of faith. Not simply believing, though, but a belief that brings about a changed life. A belief that is so real, it brings about changed living. Notice what he says. That they should repent. That they should repent and turn to God and do works worthy of repentance. Real faith in God brings about changed living. That they should repent and turn to God. We are not simply sinners who need forgiveness. We are not simply sinners who need forgiveness. We are rebels who need to surrender. 
We are rebels who need to surrender, not simply sinners who need forgiveness. Look what he's saying. You need to repent. Let me give you a definition of that maybe you haven't heard before. To surrender to God. You need to repent, to surrender to God, to turn from your own way of doing things and surrender to God and say, God, my life is going to be lived for you. I am coming to you and I, am, I, I, am, I want my life to be lived in you. Repent and what? Turn to God. Repent and turn to God. You are a rebel who needs to surrender. Not simply a sinner who needs forgiveness. Because you see, a sinner who needs for, somebody who thinks they're a sinner and needs forgiveness will come and get forgiveness and then go and just do their own thing. That's not what he's talking about. What he's talking about is repenting, surrendering to God, you know, and coming to him, turning to God and doing works worthy of repentance. That a new life flows because of that relationship of faith. That we have that newness of life that is ours because of who He is and because of what He has done and because we come and we have surrendered our life to Him and live for Him. Not simply in knowing that we are forgiven, but knowing that we are forgiven and we have a new leader. We have a new King. We have, we have that newness of life that brings us into a whole new way of living. A few more verses from Acts. Verse 21. For this reason, the Jews seized me in the temple complex and were trying to kill me. To this very day, I have obtained help that comes from God. And I stand and testify to both small and great, saying nothing else than what the prophets and Moses said would take place, that the Messiah must suffer, and that as the first to rise from the dead, he would proclaim light to our people and to the Gentiles. As he was making his defense in this way, Festus exclaimed in a loud voice, You're out of your mind, Paul! Too much study is driving you mad. Now, uh, you know, this is interesting, you know, because, you know, he's talking, he, he's brought there by, he's arrested, really, because of the Jews. He's brought before Festus, and Festus meets with him, and then Festus has Agrippa meet with him. And now he's, as he is brought there at Festus's trial, if you will, he had begun to address King Agrippa. Now, as he's talking to King Agrippa, now Festus again interjects here. Now, you know, follow this through. You know, as you're telling people, you know, about what you believed before you met Jesus, you know, what your life was like before you met him, as you're telling them how you met Jesus, and then as you tell them how they too can meet Jesus, some may want to argue with you. You know, some, some people may flat out reject what you have to say. Paul, you're mad. You're go, you, know, you know, Paul was arrested, jailed, pleading his case before the Roman leaders. Know that when you start to tell people about Jesus, know that when you come to Jesus, you might face trouble, but that trouble does not negate God's call to tell others. 
The fact that you're having a hard time doesn't make, negate the call to tell others. Remember, you know, the verse from Psalm 73 we started with, but as for me, God's presence is my good. I have made the Lord God my refuge so I can tell about all you do. God wants you to tell others. He wants you to tell others about all He does. You know, sometimes um, I'll talk to people and they say, you know, could you talk to so-and-so for me? You know, could you, you know, maybe... And uh, while I'm happy to do that, look at what He wants here. What He wants is for you to tell others about all He does. You are the one He wants to be telling others. He doesn't want you waiting for someone else to do it. Because here's the reality of some of these things. I don't know your friends. I don't know your friends. I, I, I don't know your neighbors. I don't know the people you work with. God entrusted these people to your care. And he wants you so that you can tell others about all that he does. And because it's hard or because it's embarrassing or awkward is no reason not to tell them. Trouble, trouble does not negate God's call to tell others about all that he does. The last group of verses, verse 25. But Paul replied, I'm not out of my mind, most excellent Festus. On the contrary, I am speaking words of truth and good judgment. For the king knows about these matters. It is to him I am actually speaking boldly. For I am convinced that none of these things escape his notice, since this was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know you believe. Then Agrippa said to Paul, Are you going to persuade me to become a Christian so easily? I wish before God, Paul replied, that whether easily or with difficulty, not only you but all who listen to me today might become as I am, except for these chains. So the king, the governor, Bernice, and those who were sitting with them got up, and when they had left, they talked with each other and said, This man is doing nothing. That deserves death or chains. Then Agrippa said to Festus, This man could have been released if he had not appealed to Caesar. So as you're telling people about all that God has done for you, know that others are listening. Know that others are listening. Paul is there and he's talking. You know, he, he, Festus is the one who is running the trial. Paul begins to, you know, he very quickly begins to address Agrippa. Festus is still listening, and Festus interjects here. And Paul, you know, the, the, the Paul says, you know, not only, not only you, Agrippa, but all those here listening. And notice what it says, Bernice and all those sitting with them. They were listening as well, because it says then when they left, they began to discuss these things. And, you know, Paul widens it, you know, to everybody who's listening there. I was invited, I was invited by a, a new believer over 
to his house. Um, his wife was not a Christian. Uh, I had met her. Um, she wasn't a Christian. Uh, I met his sister-in-law and brother-in-law. They were not Christians. And they, he asked if I could come over and talk with them. So I went over to their apartment. I remember very clearly, um, you know, this going over there that, that night. And as I came in, his mother-in-law was there also. So his wife, sister-in-law, uh, brother-in-law, and his mother-in-law were there. When I came in, his mother-in-law got up, left the room, and went and sat in the other room. She didn't want to be a part of this. So we began to talk. So I began to talk a little bit, and they began to argue a lot. And the three of them, you know, and... Um, I brought another guy from church who happened to be their cousin, actually. And he's there with me, and he just, he kept looking at me like, aren't you, you, know, you going to say something? Um, and I was there, you know, we, we talked for hours. They did most of the talking, and what would happen is as they would say something, and, and, and then I would reply, um, Every once in a while, the mother-in-law from the other room would yell things to let me know how wrong I was and how foolish I was. And after talking for a couple hours and things, um, she got up and she came to the table again. And we talked. I said I was there for hours. I would like to tell you that by the end of that night, all three of them gave their life to the Lord, but that's not what happened. Uh, none of them did. You know, and you, you know, you leave, and sometimes we think it's all our responsibility. I was simply telling them about all that God had done. It's about maybe a year or so later. The mother-in-law got cancer. And it was a protracted illness for her. But I can tell you this. That several months before she died, uh, she came to the Lord. And she gave her life to the Lord. Know when you speak to people. And you tell them about all God has done for you. Know that others are listening. But as for me, God's presence is my good. I have made the Lord God my refuge. I have a relationship with him so I can tell about all you do. Tell people about Jesus. Tell them, you know, you didn't always know the Lord. 
This is what my life was like before I knew him. Here's how I came to realize I needed him in my life and how I gave my life to him. Here's how you can too. Because it's that relationship of faith. You don't have to be like me. You know, you don't have to do it the way I did it. This is your walk with the Lord. Realize others are listening. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the opportunity to be able to share your word with people. Here, now, certainly, but also as we go through life, as we go through those things you lead us through. That it will be uh, a great reflection of what a great God you are. That we, Lord, will be able to tell them of all the great things you have done and are doing for us. That others might come to know you. That we might be those who walk obedient to you. And telling them all you do. Thank you for those opportunities. Open our eyes to them. Open our mouth to share your truth, we pray. In Christ's name, amen.